Good morning. morning. Did y'all miss me last week? Yes. Because I didn't miss y'all at all. (laughs) I was down in Port Isabel, Texas, at the First Baptist Church, Port Isabel, Texas, and uh, had a great time worshiping there. We walked in a little early, and they were, it was all in Spanish. And I was thinking, oh, wow. But anyway, that ended after about 15 minutes, and then the pastor came up to me and introduced himself, and he said, our English service starts in 15 minutes. And I went, whew, okay. So, anyway. But now it's great to be gone, and it's great to be back. And, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we sent out a questionnaire. There was an unbelievably good response from that. Thank you so much, all of you that were part of that. Uh-oh. All right. Great response from all of that. If you were not here, though, because we only did it one week, if you were not here that week, we would love for you to uh, get one of the surveys and fill it out for us. Kelly, where are those? They're in the back, okay? So we'd love for you to do that. Uh, what an exciting day at Willowbend Church. I mean, the greatest hymn ever written. You know, uh, Wilberforce, the guy that, that abolished slavery uh, all over the United Kingdom, uh, he is buried, or his crypt is at Westminster Abbey in England, and I actually looked up his crypt when I was over there, stood next to the remains of the guy that got rid of slavery about a 100 years before we got rid of slavery here in the United States. Uh, you know, pretty impressive guy. But, you know, uh, amazing grace... We're going to have the Lord's Supper here. We're going to have baptisms after the service. Doesn't get much better than that. Amen? Amen. A great day to be at Willoughby. And I want to talk to you today about how God wants to bless you and bless this church. You know, the last part of our uh, intentional interim is for you to think about what you would like for Willoughby to become. What is your dream? If you could... Just say, Lord, this is my dream for Willoughbyn. And you could snap your finger and it would happen. What would that look like? What would that look like? Do you dream about what your kids will do someday? Probably. Do you dream about, you know, certain vacations? Do you, you know, we dream about things that we want to happen. And we should have dreams about what we want to happen in our fellowship, what we want to happen in our body of believers. Now, I understand that there are preachers out there that every single Sunday preach success and health and wealth and all that other stuff. And we all know that life is not always like that. We all know that life is tough. And, and, and we sometimes have to go through the valley. And and we can't just pray, God, take this away from me. And he does sometimes, because sometimes he doesn't. And yet at the same time, God does promise to bless those that he loves. And so we're going to look at an obscure guy in the Old Testament today, 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, starting with verse 9, a guy by the name of Jabez. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. You hear that? (laughs) He said to God, Oh, that you would bless me 
and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. God granted his request. What does audacious mean? You ever thought about that? Audacious means fearless. It means daring. It means uh, brave. It means hardy. It means shameless. Presumptuous, maybe, assuming. The opposite of audacious is timid, shy, fearful, apprehensive. I want us to examine this morning a fearlessness, a boldness that pleases God. A fearlessness, a boldness that pleases God. A boldness that that will have been church comes united together and said, Oh God, bless us and increase our territory. And bless us, Lord, and increase our territory. If we really believe in amazing grace, if we really believe that God saves a wretch like me, let me tell you something, there are wretches all over Plano, Texas that need to be saved. And they need God's grace. They need His forgiveness. They need to find him through Willowbend Church. They need to grow through Willowbend Church. They need to, 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 for this place to be that sacred ground where they are born again and then come to walk with him in a committed way. John Powell wrote his now classic book, Why Am I Afraid to Tell You? who I am. And a person asked him, do you really, John, do you really want me to answer that question? And John said, of course, of course I want you to answer that question. Uh, Do you really want my answer? Of course I do. Well, listen to what the person said. The person said, and I quote, I am afraid to tell you who I am because if I tell you who I am, you may not like who I am. And that's all I have. I don't want to tell you who I am because if I tell you who I really am, you may not like me. And that's all I have. Who doesn't feel that way sometimes? Who doesn't feel like that that, that maybe if people knew who we really were, if we knew the secrets of our hearts, if we knew our pains, that, that people wouldn't like us. Oh, they like us because they don't really know us. But if they really knew us, they wouldn't like us. I mean, I bet every single one of us has felt that way at one time or another. But, but our God says, I love you. I sacrificed my son for you. I have good plans for you. It's not wrong to fearlessly, boldly, shamelessly assume that I mean what I say when I say I love you. And I have good plans for you. And I want the best things for you. Jabez is one of the least sung among all the unsung heroes of the Bible. When was the last time that you sat down and read through First Chronicles, all the genealogies of First Chronicles? Huh? Man, that's good stuff, isn't it? I mean, name after name after name. 500 names. 
And right in the middle of all those 500 names, the writer says, oh, there's Jabez. Let me tell you about him. Just, just two verses in all of that genealogy, 63 words in the New International Version, and yet one of the most powerful stories in the whole Scripture. But you know what? The story does not begin well. Verse 9, His name, I gave birth to him in pain. Now guys, think about this a minute. Names were crucial back during the ancient uh, time period. Abraham, what does that mean? Father of many nations. Isaac was named after his mother's laughter at hearing that he was coming. Peter, what does Peter mean? Rock. And Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church. One would think that she would give him a name that would help him, that would encourage him, that would be good for him. I mean, who names their sons Judas today? Who, who names their, their, their daughters Bathsheba? You know, people just don't do it. Who names their sons for the Adolf? Not very many, you know? Because those names have certain connotations that go way back. But here's a mother who named her son Pain. Named her son Pain. What exactly does this mean? In, in the Hebrew, it literally, a boy named Pain. That was his name. A boy named Pain. Now, what's the story? We, we, we really don't know. Perhaps his mother was just mean. <laughs> we don't know. You know, maybe she was just mean, didn't like him. From the get-go. Maybe she didn't want to be pregnant. And he came along and she just marked him with that name because she didn't like him. Maybe his birth caused her much pain. But you know what? From what I understand, talking to ladies, all births bring a lot of pain, right? So, I mean, she had to, she had to really be mad at him, right? Or, or maybe the circumstances of his birth were painful. Maybe did the father abandon them? Uh, were there financial hardships because he came along? If so, Jabez would constantly be reminded that he was a problem every time somebody called his name. A boy named Payne. Come over here, Payne. You know? You know, we, we laugh about that stuff now. I mean, if you think about that, my parents would have never named me Dal. I'm just a, you know, a, a straight wooden stick, you know? That's what I am. But think about that. Names don't mean as much today as they did back then. This guy was named Pain. It had, to, it had to be a terrible black mark upon him. Maybe he suffered from a physical defect. We don't know. You know, every mother wants a healthy baby. We, we really don't know. But question today. Here's my question for you today. What part of your story is named Pain? What part of your story is named Pain? I want you to think about that a minute. Maybe the family you grew up in was not the best. Maybe you weren't treated with love. Maybe there were difficult circumstances that, that you've had to face, difficult choices you've had to make, maybe physical problems. Maybe, just maybe, and most probably, you've made some bad choices and you've had to suffer those consequences as well. What part of your story is named pain? 
Because all of us have some. All of us have some. What part of your story would you change if you could? What pain or shame do you carry in your heart even today? I submit to you today that if we're honest, we all are named pain in some way or another. But despite that, despite that, Jabez had the audacity to pray, Oh, that you would bless me. Oh, that you would bless me, God. Wow. Oh, that you would bless me. Why would God bless him? Why would God bless us? Well, because he loves us. And it's his very nature to want to bless his children. You know, listen to how God describes himself in the scriptures. The Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. That's found in Exodus 34, 6 through 7. He is compassionate and gracious by his very nature. Have you known some people that are just mean by their nature? I have. <laughs> I have. Or people that are just tough to be around because of their nature. Our God is gracious, compassionate, and loving by his very nature. God wants to bless us. He is not a cosmic killjoy or a universal policeman. He is our loving Father, and He wants to bless us. God's blessing is a supernatural favor because our God surpasses the natural world. And because He loves us, we have His favor with us. You see, but what that means is it's something you cannot attain on your own. It's not something that you can earn. It's not something that you can be good enough to win. It's something that you have to accept. It's something that you have to accept. I have a dog named Gus. I wish all of y'all could meet Gus. Gus has more energy than ten other dogs. Gus, well, they call Gus the Tasmanian devil at my veterinarian's place. He runs around, bounces around, jumps around. He's a little old bitty thing, and he could jump up here. And sometimes I want to pet Gus. Sometimes I want to love on Gus. Sometimes I want to, you know, just, just, just be nice to Gus. And, and you know what? Gus won't slow down long enough for me to pet him. He won't slow down long enough for me to love on him. And, 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 and sometimes I think that that's the way we are with God. God wants to bless us. He wants to, to, to rain his blessings down upon us, but we have to sit still long enough for him to be able to do that. We can't be bouncing around, not paying attention, not listening, not stopping long enough for him to bless us. For him to spend time with us. He's got, he's got these blessings he wants to give us, but, but we've, got to, we've got to receive them. We've got to slow down enough to receive. 
Did you know most of our world around us hasn't slowed down in years? And you know, I know some Christians hadn't slowed down in years either. We need to slow down and put ourselves in a position where God can bless us. You know, sometimes we, we go through difficult times. Sometimes God has to get our attention. Why? Just so he can slow us down to bless us. But that's his very nature. And, and, then, and then think about this. Jabez gets really specific. He says, enlarge my territory. Enlarge my territory. So he can do more good. Now, the very first of the scripture, we, we read that, but we haven't talked about it. It says he was a more honorable man than his brothers. So you see, we know that Jabez was an honorable man. And, and he says, enlarge my territory so he can do more good, so he can give more, so that he can be more. You know, this was really like a CEO saying, give me more customers. Uh, give me more market share. This would be like a doctor saying, give me more patience so that I can, you know, touch more lives. It would be like a pastor saying, give me more ministry, more minister m- members. It's like a church saying, bring more people into this place so that they can be touched by the grace of Jesus Christ, so that they can hear about Jesus' saving power, so that we can do more good than we're doing now. You know, what's the American dream? The American dream is always bigger is better. Amen? Isn't bigger better? Bigger is always better, right? It's always better. And let me tell you something. <clears throat> bigger is not always better. It's not. And you guys know that. But let me tell you something. I know churches that are smaller that are almost bigger is sinful. Bigger is wrong. Bigger is less godly. No, it's not. (laughs) It's not. And I really believe that for will have been to be all that God wants you to be. You've got to have an audacity to stand up and say, Father, bless us. Increase our territory. And that doesn't mean that you need to become a megachurch. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that, 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 that you... See, see the, the deal is, I've been in churches that grew. I've been in churches where, where good things happen. You never, ever, ever focus on a number. You focus, focus on a person. You focus on the people. But when you minister to people and you focus on those people, they want to be a part of your fellowship. They want to be a part of your fellowship. Did you know when I, when I first went to my last church, I almost... I almost Asked people not to invite their, not to invite their friends to church at first. Because quite honestly, we had some things we need to fix. We had some things we need to clean up, and 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 I and I wanted, and I know in our world today, you've got one shot at people, and 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 I wanted people to have a wonderful, wonderful experience when they came. I wanted everything to be in place. I, I wanted them when their kids came, you know, and and their youth came, and 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 they came into worship that they had a wonderful, wonderful experience so that they would want to come back. And I knew we weren't providing that at first, so I said, don't, you know, let's not invite anybody for a while. <laughs> Can I tell you something? And I believe this with all of my heart. 
Well, let me ask it a different way. How do you feel about what happens here at Willow Bend Church? Because you see, during the worship part of the day, I was blessed. I felt the presence of God in this place. I would have felt really, really good about inviting a friend to come and be a part of our worship service here today. I felt the Lord's presence here while we, while we, while we sang, while we worshiped. And you see, if you feel that way, then you ought to be excited about going into your neighborhoods and your places of work and saying, you know what, there's some exciting things happening at my church. Why don't you come and be a part of that? No, 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 we're not a huge church. You know what, we're a church where everybody knows each other and, and people loves each other and, and, and we get to know each other and we help each other and, and, and we care about each other. You know, that's who we are. And I want to ask you one more question, then I'm going to quit meddling and I'm going to go back to preaching, okay? I'm just going to say that, okay? When was the last time you invited somebody to come to Willow Bend Church with you? When was the last time? Think about it. Jabez said, enlarge my territory. Let, and then he said, let your hand be with me Lord. You see, that was the key. That's the key. God answered his prayer because Jabez allowed the Lord to walk with him. How do you see yourself? Do you know God loves you? Do you know that he wants to bless you? How do you see your church? Do you know that he loves Willowbend? Do you know he wants to bless Willowbend? Are you worthy of His love, His grace, His mercy, His blessing? Yes, you are. Because you've been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because you've accepted His Son as your Lord and Savior. Yes, of course you are. I heard a story one day about a man who was walking in the desert. And uh, he heard this voice from the sky. And the voice said, Tomorrow... You will be both happy and sad. <laughs> wow. He thought, okay, what am I supposed to do? It was late at night. It was dark. And the voice said, reach down and pick up some stones and put them in your pocket. And again, in the morning, you will be both happy and sad. And so the man did what he was told. The next morning, he reached into his pocket and he discovered that those pebbles that he had picked up the night before were all diamonds. And he was both happy and sad. He was happy that he had those diamonds. And he was sad that he hadn't picked up more. Right? He was both happy and sad. You see, I believe we're going to be that way when we get to heaven. Depending on our response to, to, to the th kind of things we're talking about here today. Glad that we received all of God's blessings that we did, but sad that we did not receive more of them. Sad that we did not allow God to bless us even more than we did. Question How sad will you be in heaven? How will you feel? Bernard of Clairvaux was a 12th century French pastor 
and theologian. Listen carefully to his four stages of Christian growth and see where you are today. Number one, love of self for self's sake. I love myself because I want me to be happy. Number two, love of God for self's sake. Yeah, I'm going to love God because I know he's going to bless me. Number three, love of God for God's sake. Number four, love of self for God's sake. Where are you along that spiritual maturity level today? What step will you take today? What step will God call you to take and will you take it? As we close, I have a question. Do you have the audacity to believe that God really means what he says in the scriptures? I have a friend that I talk to a lot. And I think sometimes it frustrates him because he'll say, we'll be talking about stuff and I'll say, well, the Bible says. And he says, you're always going to the Bible. I say, yeah, I do. Because I believe it. And I believe that the Bible knows better than me and you and every other human philosopher because it is God's word to us. My question for you today is, do you have the audacity to believe that God really means what he says when he talks about how much he loves you, how much he wants to bless you, how much he wants to make a wonderful difference in your life? He doesn't want to... He really does not want to take your life and make it better. He wants to completely transform it over and over again to be more and more conformed into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. You hear what I'm saying? How much do you believe the Bible today? How much do you believe that God wants to bless you, bless your church, bless all that you care about?